This morning, our scripture passage is in Luke chapter 10, starting with verse 32. This is Luke 10, 32 to 45. It's a long passage, so bear with me. They were on their way up to Jerusalem, with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were astonished, while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog him, and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten, meaning the other ten disciples, heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. God, we ask that you would guide our time today. Bless Todd as he delivers this message. Give him the wind of your spirit. Give him clarity. But also give us ears to hear, hearts that are ready to receive the gospel. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before Todd comes, watch this. Nice glasses. Oh, thanks. I have 20-20 vision. I don't really need glasses. Oh, well, I used to have perfect vision until I caught an eye disease while on the mission field. So, glasses, totally worth it. Um, where did you do mission work? I spent an entire week in Africa. Well. I was in Africa for an entire year. It's amazing how much you get to know Jesus when you're there for that long. Where were you in Africa? I rescue orphans from there all the time. Really? I wonder if you rescue them from the orphanages that I build there. I don't think so. Oh, you wouldn't probably know that they're mine. I don't have my name on the building or anything. I prefer to remain anonymous. <laughs> oh, well, I prefer to remain anonymous too, but when you do so much for Jesus like I do, you just can't help but be known. Listen, I have built so many hospitals and churches because I care about the body and the soul. That's nice, but I don't need a church to save souls. I just preach from the side of the mountain, like Jesus. Well, if you had come down off of that mountain, you would know what people really need, like I do. Oh, please, like you know what people need. Me and Jesus, we're tight. Look, you guys wouldn't even know Jesus if he came up to you with a sign that said, I'm Jesus. Are you kidding? I've brought more people to Jesus than Jesus. Well, he wouldn't even have a ministry if it wasn't for me. Jesus. 
What are you doing? Do you love me? Do you really love me? Then follow me. Well, good morning. <clears throat> good to see everybody here in the room. Good to see everybody online. We're really glad that you're with us today. <clears throat> the drama sketch that we just saw illustrates how the idea of serving can often be confused with what Jesus had in mind when he talked about serving. <clears throat> if you notice, some of the characters were trying to outserve one another, to one-up each other of who was better at serving Jesus. Their understanding of serving seemed to be that the more that they served, or the more that they did for Jesus, the closer they were with Jesus, both relationally and positionally. Remember the one person said, Jesus wouldn't even have a ministry if it wasn't for me. <laughs> and the other one, other one said, I brought more people to Jesus than Jesus. <laughs> really? <laughs> One of the biggest challenges that we can face when it comes to serving is that Jesus' model of serving is contrary to how the world views serving and views service. Our world often confuses service with greatness. For instance, the more that we do, the bigger our profile becomes. We might receive more recognition for what we've done. Uh, the more we serve, the more successful we become. Or maybe our focus might become about, more about being great than about serving. This is tied to the expectation that the world teaches that all of us from a very early age is about success and greatness and moving upward in an upward journey up and to the right. This weekend, we're celebrating one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time this weekend here in New England as Tom Brady comes back for the weekend. And in his 20-something years of service at, for the Patriots, he was the greatest. And we will honor him. And how many people will say, I want to be like Tom Brady? We, we can begin to prioritize what and how we serve with the, what the return on investment will be of our service by picking the best options of serving or rather than simply jumping into what needs to be done. We can become so consumed with, with what we need to do in our own trajectory of success, is it possible that we have missed what truly defines service? Or have we begun to, be, to think that we are just too busy or or beyond the role of serving. Go back to the video for a second. Did you notice that Jesus didn't even acknowledge what all of them had done? And they were all great things. Instead, Jesus showed them what he meant when he said to serve. He flipped the script on them. He turned their entire understanding of service upside down. And he used a towel and a bowl to illustrate service. The role of a servant. We'll talk about that in a little bit. He tied the concept of service 
to love. What did he say? If you love me, then follow me. And he hands off a towel and a bowl. We've been talking about love this summer. And the idea is that this agape love is tied to humility and self-sacrifice and submission. Agape love suffers inconvenience and discomfort and even death for the benefit of one another without expecting anything in return. Today is the final message of our Summer of Love series, and it's called Love Serves. What did Jesus mean when he said to serve? How do we need to align ourselves with, with Jesus' call to serve? That's what we're going to look at together this morning. The scripture that Paul read uh, deals with a request from two of Jesus' disciples, James and John, and Jesus' response to that request. Essentially, Jesus was using their request and the argument that followed between the rest of the disciples as an object lesson to teach the disciples how love serves. Let's look at the scripture and we'll unpack a couple things together. The first thing is that love serves when we have a clear understanding of the mission of Jesus. Jesus detailed with the disciples what was about to happen and what his mission really was. See, the disciples had been riding the coattails of the popularity of Jesus' ministry. For three years, Jesus healed the sick and the hurting and the dying. He taught about love. He taught about the values of God's kingdom and new life in Jesus. And the expectation of the crowds and, and even the disciples was that Jesus' mission was to reestablish a physical kingdom in Jerusalem. See, the Israelites had been waiting for hundreds of years of God to restore their nation to their homeland, which had been taken away from them in the exile period. And while Israel was able to return to Jerusalem under the Greek Empire, they were still subject to the Roman Empire when Rome overtook the Greek Empire. And while they lived in their homeland, they were not free. They were subject to Rome. Prophets foretold that a Messiah, a deliverer, would come and restore Israel to all of its glory. And many believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And they were expecting Israel to return to its full greatness. Jesus' popularity grew because people thought he was going to Jerusalem to overthrow the powers that be. But Jesus' mission was very different. Look again at what Jesus said. He said, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and will hand him over to the Gentiles, who will mock him and spit on him, flog and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. Does that sound like a triumphal entry where he's going to establish Israel in all its glory? Jesus' mission was not to lead an earthly kingdom. His mission was to establish a spiritual kingdom through his death and his resurrection where anyone who would follow would be free from the bondage of sin and death 
and have citizenship in God's eternal kingdom. This is the essence of John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This was the greatest act of agape love by anyone ever. Jesus' mission was not for him, but it was for you. For over 2,000 years, God's kingdom has been building with people like you and me who come to know, who come to understand that Jesus really is the Messiah of, his, of God's kingdom, of his family. And when we embrace that Jesus died for us, we accept the gift of his payment for our sin. And when we do that, we're in. We're part of the kingdom. Love that serves is foundational in the mission of Jesus. If we don't get that, then we miss what Jesus was doing here in the text by heading to Jerusalem. He was going to Jerusalem to serve us because he loved us. Friends, Jesus' death wasn't a mistake. It wasn't some botched attempt to overthrow the government. It was an intentional, planned, and premeditated act that was fulfilled in prophecy and in Scripture. I, I came to this own understanding in my own life 30 years ago. At that time, I was going in a totally different direction in my life. I was angry and searching for fulfillment self-medicating to cope with my struggles. And truthfully, I just didn't see the need for God in my life. God and Jesus were often the butt of my jokes, the source of my problems, and the distraction from what I wanted to do in my life. And during a time when my life was completely broken and I was searching for meaning and direction, I ended up on a mission trip similar to the one that North River uh, sent to Pennsylvania earlier this summer. And during that trip, something in me changed. Always knew God was there. That was never a challenge for me. But my heart and my attitude towards God changed. And I understood for the first time that all the words and talk about God's love that I had heard all my life really applied to me. God had a plan for my life if I would follow him. And as I look back on the last 30 years walking with God, I'm not the same person that I once was 30 years ago. I'm not on the same trajectory that I once was. Now, I'm not perfect. I make a lot of mistakes. But each day, my desire is to walk more closely with God and live my life on mission. Back then, I sensed God placing a specific call on my life at that time. Now, this wasn't some audible voice where the Lord spoke to Todd. <laughs> but it was an impression that I sensed in my heart and in my mind and was affirmed by people uh, that I had come to, talk, come to know and people tr uh, to trust and, as a mentor. And what the impression was, was that God was saying to me, where you once had hang-ups about me, now go help people know the truth about me and help them to know that truth. 
That's why I love North River's mission so much. Helping people far from God become fully developed worshipers and servants of Christ. We are helping people work through those challenges of their hurts, their habits, and their hang-ups so that they can have a new understanding of the mission of Jesus for them. That's the mission of Jesus. And that's, the, that's what's foundational for us to understand service. The second thing we can unpack in this passage is that love serves when we trade greatness in the world for greatness in the kingdom. James and John and the rest of the stiple, uh, stiples, <laughs> disciples still did not fully understand the mission, of Je- uh, the mission of Jesus. They were still expecting something different. They were expecting a physical kingdom, and they wanted a piece of the action. Do for us what we want, whatever we ask, they said. Jesus said, what do you want me to do? They said, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking for, Jesus said. Can you really drink that cup and be baptized the way I am? We can, they said. And Jesus said, you will, that will happen. But to sit at my right and my left is not for me to grant. What was James and John looking for? They were looking for greatness. They may not fully understood what God's kingdom really was, but they wanted to be recognized as having been with and walked with Jesus up to Jerusalem. They wanted seats right next to Jesus in Jerusalem. They wanted to be known. They wanted to be recognized. They wanted the honor of when people thought of Jesus, their names were tied to him. More than that, they wanted the power, the control, the influence that often comes from the greatness that we see in the world. Remember, they didn't understand the mission. They were thinking earthly kingdom, and they wanted to be seen as great. And this was a stumbling block for them. I had my own stumbling block of greatness about 20 years ago. Back then, 20 years ago, it was a Sunday morning, and Tom Brady walked through those doors and sat in one of our chairs. And it was a very lively morning. People were buzzing all over the place. High school girls were losing their minds over this. I mean, they're all sitting back in the corner, and they're like melting at the fact that Tom Brady was in the, in the room. And word got out. It was like gossip spreading like, like wildfire. So I'm there, and I'm thinking, wow, he's going to have a difficult time getting out of the building. So <laughs> I don't have any identification, no badge, nothing. Like, no, no identification that I'm someone who even works here at that time. But I walk up to him, like, hey, yo, Tom, how you doing? <laughs> Want me to help you get out of here? I can get you down the back stairs, out the back door, and all of a sudden you're here. <laughs> and in that moment, I thought, oh, I'd be, I'll be great. He'll sign me up to a security detail. <laughs> He might call me for spiritual advice. (laughs) He might seek my advice on how to find a beautiful woman like my wife. He might even have me help him coach him on how to be a good football player, quarterback. (laughs) 
And he looks at me. Like, he's taller, right? He looks down at me at this, can I give you a hand? (laughs) It's funny, right? (laughs) And he just stares at me, and he walks out the door, walks out the front door. He just, like, beelines it out. Hey, kids, how you doing? Good to see you. And he zips right out. And and my, 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 my desire and my thought of greatness just went out the door. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Let's go back to James and John for a second. Notice Jesus' Jesus' response. He says, can you, can you really drink the cup I drink? Or, or be baptized with the bapti- baptism that I'm baptized with? The cup and baptism here are metaphors of suffering and calamity. Jesus was telling James and John that greatness in the kingdom was not an upward climb, but it was a downward journey. It would be difficult. They would experience suffering, adversity, affliction. That's where Jesus was going when he was going to Jerusalem. Jesus is telling James and John that greatness in the kingdom is not about seeking the fast track to success. Or rather, greatness is given to those who choose humility, sacrifice, and service. It's not about how successful you are, but how faithful you are investing in the mission of Jesus. John and James, who were still not getting it at the time, they responded to Jesus' question. Sure, we can do that. We can, we can drink the cup and be baptized as you're baptized. But what happened in Jerusalem? When the heat was on, only a few days later, they scattered like the rest of the disciples. We don't know this man. And it wasn't until Jesus' resurrection that they finally understood the kingdom Jesus was building. Now, the reality years after was that John and James, they ultimately were faithful to Jesus' mission. They were established as two of Jesus' apostles to go out and spread the gospel to Judea and Samaria, to all the ends of the earth. And both suffered greatly for their faith in their kingdom service. James was thrown off one of the highest points of the temple in Jerusalem was stoned and had his head bashed in. John was banished to an island where he was sentenced to 40 years of hard labor in the mines. Why would they do this? Why would they allow themselves to go through all that? They understood that love serves the mission and greatness in the kingdom was a downward journey. Now chances are, most of us will not be martyred for our faith the way James and John's were, John was. But we might, and we should be prepared for that. But what most of us, what you and I mostly will have to wrestle with is are we just a fan of Jesus, captivated by the perks of Jesus, or are we recognized as a follower? See, if we truly embrace being a follower then our priorities, our our purpose, uh, our success in life is not based on the greatness of our accomplishments. 
but the greatness of the mission of Jesus and part of our sharing in, the mis- in that mission with others. In the book of Acts, chapter 9, there's a story about a woman named Tabitha. And it tells us that she was always doing good and helping the poor. Tabitha had become sick and she died. And when the news got out, all of the widows came out crying, showing, that the, showing all the robes and the clothing that Tabitha had made for them when she was alive. A beautiful image. And they wept and they mourned. The scripture tells us they wept bitter, they wept hard because of all of their sadness of Tabitha being gone. Here's a question for you. Would people weep if you were no longer here? I'm not, I'm not talking about like ding dong, he's dead. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not talking about that, but I mean really, and yes, we have people who love us. But would people lose something of the service that we have been for somebody, would people weep if we were no longer there? Would Pembroke weep if North River was no longer here because of all that we had done for the community of Pembroke? Would the South Shore weep if we were no longer here because of all we have done, had done for the kingdom See, that's our vision here at North River, the people being forever changed by God's love, changed from the inside out, embracing that mission that God has given us through Jesus, and then daily changing the South Shore and beyond for Jesus. Love serves because we're not seeking greatness for ourselves, but we're seeking the greatness of the kingdom. Mother Teresa once said, at the end of life, we will not be judged by how many diplomas we've received, how much money we have made, how many great things that we have done. We will be judged by, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you took me in. Now now hear me well. Look at me. Hear me. I'm not saying you can't or shouldn't be successful or have achievements. I'm not saying that. But at the end of our life, if we go to God and we say, look at my successes, look at all my achievements, you know what God's going to ask us? Were you faithful in following me? Did you serve others in my name? So what I'm asking each of you this morning, and this is only something that you and God can wrestle with and answer together. This is not for me to decide or or your wife or your spouse to decide. This is between you and God. Is how would you answer those questions if God was asking them to you? Do you need to make a shift or in your priorities or a change in your life to align yourself with the mission of God? The rest of the disciples were were livid with James and John. Why? Because John and James got to Jesus first. In their mind, James and John now had the upper hand with Jesus. So Jesus pulled everyone together for an object lesson. And what was he teaching them? 
Love serves when we die to self for the sake of others. Love serves when we die to self for the sake of others. Here's what Jesus said. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to, be, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus addressed two things in this lesson to his disciples. First, he pointed out that a model in their, he pointed to a model in their context of leaders who led by using their power and authority of their position to get others to do what they wanted them to do. The end result of this model is the leader basically tells others what to do. It's do as I say. It works very well in my house with my kids. Do as I say, right? <laughs> Where the people are under the leader, serve the leader. No, I'm just, I'm kidding. It's not really how we operate. Well, it is, but. <laughs> Jesus said to his disciples, this is not how we're going to do leadership. Jesus flipped the concept of leader upside down by saying leadership is not a do as I say model. In the kingdom, Jesus' way of leadership is do what I do. And he uses the example of a servant to illustrate his idea of servant leadership. In leadership, to be great means to serve, and to serve means to be a servant. This is powerful imagery here. In the ancient world, a servant was considered the lowest person on the ladder. There was no money to be made. There was not a lot of notoriety. No one was getting a participation trophy for what they did. A servant had to be ready at a moment's notice to drop everything when the call from the master came. A servant's priority was whatever the master's priority was. It was the master's agenda. The master came first. The servant was always second. One of the things that we teach in the leadership formation adventure, it's our leadership development program here at North River, is about servant leadership. This exact idea, this exact passage if you were to take uh, TLFA, one of the first things you will learn is that leadership is all about service. And it's what we've been trying for the last six years to develop around here, that people understood that you're not leading for position and authority, you're leading to serve. This fall in October, we will have another round of TLFA where you can join the cohort, and we'd love for you to be part of that and consider that. You might be here thinking, well, I'm already a leader. I already know that stuff. There's always something more you can learn about leadership. Leaders are learners. And when they stop learning, they stop leading. So I would challenge you, encourage you, invite you to be part of TLFA this fall if you haven't done that. The second thing that Jesus addressed was how he modeled his role as a servant leader. He didn't expect others to serve him but through his death and resurrection, he served them. See, leadership, success, and greatness in God's economy 
It's all about service. It's, it's giving up our position, our rights, our desires. It's, it's trusting Jesus to lead and guide us towards loving and serving others. As we serve and love, we lead people through influence, not power. A few years ago, a movie came out called Hacksaw Ridge. And it's a true story of a, uh, of a uh, military man, an army, an army uh, man called, named Desmond Doss. He was a combat medic in World War II and was a conscientious objector. He refused to carry a weapon or a fighter, firearm in a battle. And Doss took a lot of criticism from his unit for this decision. They wondered why he ever joined the military. How could a weak man ever fight for them? They saw him as a wimpy weakling. But Das's love for God, his service, uh, his love for his country, and his unit was the driving force behind his service. One time while in Japan, Das's unit was assigned to the Battle of Okinawa, and they were tasked with securing Hacksaw Ridge, which could only be accessed by this long, steep slope on the side of a mountain it had to be climbed with rope ladders. In a very, during a very difficult battle, forced Doss's unit to fall back, leaving many of his unit on top of the ridge, wounded or killed. And when the rest of the unit retreated, Dawson went to work. I'd like to show you a clip of that act of what he did in service. I do want to warn you that it's military scene, so it might be a little bit graphic. Parents, if you have some young ones, you might want to step outside for a moment. But um, watch this clip. You up. I'm ready to get out of here. I sure am. Oh. 
get one more. Help me get one more. Doss prayed that one simple prayer, help me get one more, over and over again to help him get 75 men off the ridge that night. It's a true story. This is not something that's made up in Hollywood. You need to see the movie if you want to know the rest of the story. I'm not going to tell you the rest. But did you see how love serves in this clip? Doss knew the mission of Jesus was to serve and save people right where he was. When the rest of his uh, unit retreated to save themselves, he saw it as an opportunity to save others. And he was willing to give up his life for the sake of those who were hurting and wounded and dying. I see examples of people at North River serving all the time. It's Jeff and Steve and Frank who get the chairs out for people every week. It's Kathy and Rhonda who for 20 years have been running media. It's Patrick who for 15 years has been running our sound ministry. It's Russ singing. It's Jim playing. It's Janet in the nursery. It's Jen delivering food to our food pantries. It's Matt hanging the lights around our campus at Christmas. It's Steve who had a vision for God's garden. It's the big event sending out 160 people today to serve and to give up and sacrifice our time and our talents and our, and our, our resources for the sake of others. Here's the big idea. Love serves because greatness is not an upward journey. It's a downward journey. Friends, we don't serve for notoriety or a resume builder or status or a seat next to Jesus. We serve because we loved. We love because we were loved by God, which flows out to others. For most of us, dying to self will mean giving up our time and our talents, our money, our money, even our trajectory of success to serve others. It's coming alongside someone we love who is sick 
and we give ourselves through the care for them. It's supporting and encouraging people who are going through a difficult time. Maybe our prayer won't be, please, Lord, help me get one more, but please, Lord, one more day, one more hour, help me. It's hard to love people. It's not easy. My wife tells me I'm hard to love all the time. Well, well once in a gr- every once in a while, not all the time. But love serves by doing the things that no one else wants to do. And here's the, here's the reality. Serving is not just for the few of us around here. It's for, it's for all of us. We all have a part to play. God has gifted you with talents and passion and energy and abilities. And every one of those talents and passions can be used to build God's kingdom. Earlier this week, Thursday night, we had a, our worship and production team had a kickoff dinner together just to kind of align ourselves and get all ready for the upcoming year. And we were kind of doing a little bit of a feedback session. You know, what do we need over the next year? And one of the things that came to the surface that we need to continue to recruit and uh, find more people who are willing to serve. Look around the room. We have three cameras every single week that need to be filled by people who can run the camera. And we have two services every single week. So that means six leaders a week times four, that's 25 leaders, servants who will help with the cameras each and every week. We have media positions. We have sound positions. We have, we have a room in the back of our offices that's streaming this service out to the world. We have a ministry to children that need volunteers who will help serve. We have a welcome center that needs to be filled that are greeting people and welcoming them and helping them understand where North River, how North River works and where they can go and what they can do. We have student ministries where that people can serve. We have a go team that people can serve. We have teams all around North River. And if you're not serving... You're invited to be part of a team. Have a conversation with me. Have a conversation with Pastor Paul. Have a conversation with our staff. It's not like we're going to just fill X's and O's and put you in somewhere where you're going to be miserable. One of the things that we try to do in helping people identify places they can serve is we find out, what are you passionate about? What are you good at? What do you like to do? And then we try some different opportunities where you can see, is this a fit? Can I see myself doing this and being part of this? And do I, am I finding value here? Each one of us plays a part to serve. And when we get that as a whole church, and we continue to do that over and over and over again, one more, one more day, One more hour, one more opportunity. Love serves because greatness is not an upward journey, what we're trying to gain for ourselves, but a downward journey. What God is doing through us to reach others.
with the gospel. Would you pray with me? God, search our hearts as we leave here today and we serve. God, I pray that you would give us the strength, give us the vision, give us the passion, give us the energy. We want to continue to follow you and be faithful, not just be a fan, but to truly love you and be one of your servants for the kingdom. God, I pray that you help each of us can do, do that one more step deeper today and one more step deeper tomorrow in the days and the weeks, the months and the years to come. We serve at the pleasure of the master, you. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.